Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Leave of the Cowboys podcast. I'm Paul Catalina here on the Bleed Podcast Network, the only network with podcasts for every team in Dallas and beyond. We believe in our teams. Do you please like and subscribe to this podcast? The NFL draft was last week. I spent the week compiling interviews from different people about the draft. And this is the longest one, so this is the one to go up first. But the next few podcasts will all be draft recaps from different experts on the Cowboys. This one, and I'll get right to it after I give you my quick opinions. The Cowboys knocked it out of the park. CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, Reggie Robinson, Tyler Bradley and I, all fantastic picks, all fill needs, and all could see the field pretty quickly. I expect most contributions out of Diggs and Lamb, but we will see, and we'll go through that as the weeks go on. But my guest, we've had him on the podcast before, Kyle Yeomans of The Draft Show on DallasCowboys.com broke it all down for me. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast and my conversation with the one and only Kyle Yeomans. Kyle Yeomans, DallasCowboys.com, The Draft Show, joins us here on the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. And Kyle, uh, this draft, I couldn't imagine for a team picking in the middle, like the Cowboys were in pretty much every single round except the later ones that they traded back into. I can't imagine it working out any better for the Cowboys as far as not having to give up many assets, getting more than exactly what you wanted, and filling the needs that you pretty much needed to fill. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about the value that you got really from the get-go. I mean, from the start, C.D. Lamb at 17 is about as valuable of a pickup as you're going to ever get, Paul. And, and the fact that he was even there surprised not only the media, but I believe even the front office of the Cowboys, because in talking with the, the Jones family afterwards and McCarthy and coaching staff, they, they were sitting there saying, oh, this guy's actually going to fall here. We're, we're actually going to have a shot at T.D. Lamb, the best wide receiver on their board at 17. It, it was kind of crazy that it worked out that way, but it wasn't just that pick. It was all the way throughout the draft, and then like you said, they didn't have to give up any assets. For the most part, they let the, the board fall their way, and it did. It fell the way that they needed to address some of the needs. I mean, Bradley and I, the Utah edge rusher in the fifth round, is an incredible pickup. He's a guy who's going to have a chance not only to make the team, but to be a rotational impact on the edge for the Cowboys here in 2020. You've got uh, the one move that they ended up making was to go get Tyler Biotis, the, the center from Wisconsin, to add depth that interior offensive line which going into the draft was really just kind of an extra need. It wasn't really a, a, a certain need because you had a couple of guys already in that spot that could have contended to be the starting center going into this season. So the fact that you were even able to go up and snag him and the only thing 
you ultimately had to give up was next year's fifth round pick in order to do so. So uh, I think overall it was a best case scenario. It was a pick or it was a draft rather that I, I know I'm going to remember forever because the fact that it just worked out every single time the Cowboys were on the board that they had a chance to pick up a valuable player. Yeah, and it looks to me that everybody that they got was rated higher than when they were drafted. They didn't. They didn't have a player that was, you know. Then they've done this before, where they've drafted a guy who's a, a fifth round player in the third round. They drafted mm-hmm. guys who were, you know, Trayvon Diggs had first round grades on a lot of teams' boards, and the Cowboys maybe could have picked him in the first round. And maybe had they traded back, that would have been a, a pick that they made. Uh, Neville Gallimore, second round grade on most people's boards. Reggie Robinson, late second round, early third round grade, and that's the that's your fourth round pick. So everybody kind of fell. Were they sh- in the realm that they should have fallen? Yeah, I mean, just looking at my board right now, C.D. Lamb, he was the sixth player on my board. They got him at 17. Trayvon Diggs, he was number 40 on my board. I know he was number 31 on Pro Football Focus. You get him at 51. Then you get Gallimore at, at 82. He was number 51 on my board. So there's plenty of those those types of valuable pickups that you ultimately got. And I think Reggie Robinson, even though he might have been right where you expected him to go, right in the middle of that fourth round. I think on tape, he could have been as good of a, of a third-round pickup as possible because if you look at the length that he has, you look at the speed that he possesses and the way that he's able to to convert in press coverage, the, I think he's one of the, the best valuable ball hawk type of cornerbacks that you could have picked up. And not only did you pick him up, but you double-dipped at that position to help yourself out with only one contract going past 2020, at least entering the draft. Now you have three stout corners that if you don't end up signing either Jordan uh, Jordan Lewis or Chidobia Wuzier come up this next offseason, then you have some talent moving forward. Yeah, you'll still have to address that in the, the next offseason, but overall you're still feeling pretty good because of the double dip that you made at the corner spot. I think the value is just unbelievable all the way throughout the draft and a, uh, a testament to the seamlessness between both the the coaching staff, the scouting department, and you also throw in the front office there too, Will McClay, Mike McCarthy, and then the Jones family, just the way that they were able to kind of work in cohesiveness throughout the course of the draft was really remarkable. Yeah, and with cornerback, you know, you get in a position, you mentioned those contracts. My feeling is, is that, you know, one of the other, Cheeto or Jordan Lewis, will more than likely be back and they'll resign one of them whichever provides them the best value, and then the other one will hit the open market and make more money because that's seeming what the Cowboys do. And maybe both of them walk. Maybe you get in that situation, but they're not going to go deep into negotiations at that position right now unless it's somebody that is, you know, like, look, Byron Jones, they let him walk. You know, if they let Byron Jones walk, then why would they not let either of those other two walk? Because up to this point, they haven't been nearly as good as he was. And so... You know, if they get good value coming back, if not, then they're fine and they, they deal with it later. See, and I don't think they devalue the corner spot at all. I, I just think that the Byron Jones situation specifically was the fact that they just couldn't really afford him with the other contracts that were up with Amari Cooper. You're still trying to get a long-term deal with Dak Prescott. And then you had to field what is going to be a 55-man roster in 2020 uh, because of the new like the bargaining agreement. So I, I think overall you were just looking at the Byron Jones situation. He was really the odd man out, which is unfortunate. I agree with you, though. I think at this moment you look at those contracts moving forward with both Lewis and Awuzie, and one of those two guys more than likely will be re-signed. 
if not both, if not neither. So it, it could go either way. They could walk next year, and I wouldn't be necessarily surprised. They could both come back, and I also wouldn't necessarily be against that because I think they're both great players, and if you add that depth at a, a premium spot like cornerback, I think it's going to help you out in the future, not to mention some of the other selections that were made by the defending division champion Eagles. You've got Jalen Rager now to worry about, and you've got a couple or, or a couple more wide receivers to even have in that conversation, like a John Hightower out of Boise State. They went out and they got Marquise Goodwin from San Francisco. There's now a, a, a receiving core in Philadelphia, which going into last year, that wasn't the case. They had a lot of injuries. We saw who they were playing with, Boston Scott, down the stretch of last season, and yet they were still able to win a division. So now that they have a receiving core, you need that secondary to be top-notch and full of depth, and I think that's exactly what they did by adding both these corners. Yeah, I, I I thought that everything you know worked out really well as we said before. Uh, let's get into to CD Lamb a little bit. I I think this is you know just take away the fact that he is you know a top ten pick on every single team in the league's board. I mean every single one he's a top ten pick. Take that out of the equation. Even if he was, say he was exactly the seventeenth ranked player in this draft. That's where he was. That's where they got him. And a lot of times. If you pick a guy that high, he's expected to come in and contribute at maybe a higher level than he would be able to expect to be contributed on this team because they already have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, so he can step in and have whatever role they need him to have with a lot less pressure than he would have if they say they hadn't re-signed Amari Cooper. Then it would have been like, well, CD, this is a team that feels like they're close to a Super Bowl. Better catch some damn touchdowns. <laughs> it, it, it comes down to the factor of you can't cover them all, Paul. You really can't because if you throw out a, a lineup, let's just talk about the skills position. Throw Dak Prescott and whoever's playing quarterback and the offensive line out of the equation. You've got three receivers. You've got CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Then at tight end, you've got Blake Jarwin. Then at running back, you've got Ezekiel Elliott. As a defense, as a defensive coordinator, who do you try and stop here? Because if you don't watch out, Blake Jarwin, who had 12 yards per catch and has some yard after the catch ability, is going to break some spot up or, or break free in the in the secondary. You're going to have to bring down a big body of Blake Jarwin. Then, if you try and cover Mario Cooper, Michael Gallup, CD Lamb, they're both wide open. It, it just opens up a, a crazy amount of possibilities with a guru of an offensive head coach in Mike McCarthy coming in to teach the young Padawan of Moore to, to finally figure out exactly how to run an offense. And I'm not saying he didn't know how to run an offense previously. They were the top offense in the country in 2019. And then you add to it, it's, it's an exciting president that now that you have these weapons, now that you have these pieces, you go to your quarterback and you say, hey, Jack Prescott, listen, I know we have some issues. I know we didn't necessarily get a job or get a deal done prior to the draft. Hey, let's get one done before July 15th, and let's get us ourselves ready to go into 2020 and have one of the best offensive seasons the NFL has ever seen because we have a legitimate opportunity to do that. If you're the front office and you're not having that as a pitch to what you want to be your franchise quarterback moving forward, then uh, I think you're missing out on an opportunity because that's enticing to anybody to have that kind of weaponry around. All right, two, I, what I will say is probably the only negative you could pull out of this. The Cowboys definitely need help at safety. They did not address that. But 
that's also not a position that they've really spent a lot of high draft capital on in a long, long time. Uh, and so I'm sure that the, you know, Jamal Adams truthers out there will kind of get into it and, and see what happens there. And, and look, I don't, I like, I don't even want to entertain that thought until it becomes anywhere close to reality, but that's, you know, so that's out there, but I, I don't think it's really out there. I, I guess they're content to go in with haha Clinton Dix and uh, Thompson and, and Xavier Woods and, and the crew that they brought back. I think they are. I think they feel a lot better about that position than the fans do by all means. And the reason why, first I want to address kind of what you said earlier about Jamal Adams. If you would have told me before the draft you could get Jamal Adams for pick 17 and pick uh, let's say 123, a first and a fourth, and something like that. That may not even have been enough to get it done. But if you would have told me that Jamal Adams or C.D. Lamb and Reggie Robinson the second, I think I would have still taken C.D. Lamb and Reggie Robinson the second, purely based off of the fact that you still, one, have an opportunity to spice up your offense, you add some depth at the cornerback spot, and then you have that, that fifth-year option for C.D. Lamb moving forward on a rookie deal. Whereas Jamal Adams is on the back half of a contract. This is his final year on his deal. You've got to turn around and pay the guy after you just struggled to pay one of the top secondary players in the country and Byron Jones. So I didn't necessarily want the Jamal Adams thing to happen in the first place. I think there should have at least been some conversation. But with the, the draft pool that the Cowboys ended up coming out of uh, this past weekend with, I think they're absolutely ecstatic with the fact that they didn't trade away that 17th overall pick. Now, specifically about the safety position now, you mentioned Ha Ha Clinton Dix, Xavier Woods. Those are the top two guys. You're going to have Xavier Woods play the strong, Ha Ha Clinton Dix will play the free, and then you've got Dorian Thompson, Donovan Wilson to back them up, both of which have been re-signed this offseason as well. So the fact that you have these four guys, a little bit of rotation, you have some experience around them as well, you could throw it out there with Anthony Brown, Shadovia Wuzier in the quarterback spot, Jordan Lewis, Marie Kennedy, now Trayvon Diggs, and Reggie Robinson. You have all of these cast of characters. I'm not feeling as bad about this, this secondary as I did last season. Yes, you missed Byron Jones, and that's a huge loss. And yes, you still have to expect a lot out of Trayvon Diggs, who's going to come in as a rookie. But even though he was not the SEC, I expect him not to be Byron Jones level of play, but I expect him to be a starting caliber rookie. I think you're, you're feeling better all the way across the board in terms of that defense. You beat up the defensive line the way you wanted to. You added some edge rushing talent late in the draft, and you're still hoping that both Alden Smith and then Randy Gregory get reinstated by the NFL. All of a sudden, there's your depth at right defensive end to go on the other side of Tank Lawrence. That entire defense is repaid. I think it looks a lot better than it did. And the fact that the offense is now as explosive as it does, you may not have to slow down these teams to score underneath 30 points. I think it's a, a fun aspect of this offseason. And I think the front office has done a great job drafting it back up. Yeah, and look, the, the salary cap's only going to go up. And they can't really – really, I don't think they can do much anything – grandiose until Dak is put to bed and that could be months from now uh, or could or could be tomorrow morning like that's that's how unsure I am about the Dak negotiations I know that it will eventually get done that's all I know and so you can't really do anything I would be interested to see though if they feel like if some of the defensive ends that are on the market are still on the market now and in a few weeks if they're kind of tepid on you know, if, if they find out that Alden Smith and Randy Gregory, that's going to take some time. If they get kind of the the word on that, if they don't maybe 
Do you think they might jump in on like a defensive end? I'm not saying Jadavian Clowney, but mm-hmm. like Everson Griffin or something like that. I think you at least have to, to think about it because if if they do get word and you start kind of hearing the rumblings that Smith and Gregory are not necessarily in favor uh, or, or favored to come back over the, the course of this process of being reinstated, then all of a sudden the right defensive end spot at Tyrone Cross, Jalen Jelks, or Bradley and I. I don't think you feel good about that. I mean, I guess you could throw Doran Armstrong in there. I don't feel great about that either at least compared to what you would like to see on the defensive line alongside Don Tarifo and Gerald McCoy. Uh, I think at least if they start hearing that and maybe if you see an edge rusher sign, that might be a telltale sign, the fact that maybe uh, things aren't necessarily hearing or they aren't necessarily hearing exactly what they want to whenever it comes to the reinstatement of both of those players. But if they are reinstated, I think you're looking really good at that spot because you add those names in that I just said alongside the veteran, alongside Bradley and I, who's an unbelievable value pick and uh, senior bowl defensive MVP throughout the, the course of this draft process was one of those guys that I thought would have been a third rounder. Instead, they get him in a fifth. You add that to the mix. I think they're feeling good at the right defensive end spot, but I think it still kind of depends. They, they've done enough here to be okay. But I still think you, you absolutely want Smith and Gregory to be reinstated because you want to see exactly how those players are going to pan out as well. First year impact, obviously, CD Lamb will, will probably have it. Isn't you know, unless he's just a tremendously behind the eight ball when it comes to learning a route tree or whatever, which I don't think he will be coming out of Lincoln Riley's offense, which is very ornate. Uh, would you say the top three picks have the have a shot to contribute? Neville Gallimore. Obviously, in a rotation behind uh, two established veterans in Poe and McCoy. And, of course, last year, second-round pick Tristan Hill. They've got to see what they've got in him as well. Yeah, I think you would see maybe the same amount of production between Gallimore and Hill this year. I think Gallimore is going to have more of an impact this year than Hill did last year because Hill wasn't active half of the season. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he was a healthy scratch the majority of the time. So, I think you would expect Hill to at least be in the conversation this year unless this this new coaching staff, that's the only wrench that's thrown into this, by the way, is the fact that nobody has any kind of loyalty to Tristan Hill. This isn't the coaching staff that drafted him. They kind of stood on a table last year with Rod Marinelli in the war room saying, I want this kid to be our defensive tackle, and they made the pick uh, in the 50s to go and, uh, go and grab him. Well, I think DeVille Calamore is going to have a better impact because I think he's a better player Agility-wise, I think he's better in shape. I think he's more of a, a teachable player than Tristan Hill, especially when you're talking about Gerald McCoy, who's also an Oklahoma product. I feel like those two together where you have Gerald McCoy as the one technique, you throw over Bill Calamore to the three technique, which is what he played the majority of the time at Oklahoma, and then you have both of those guys going at it with the rotation of Dontari Poe in there as well. There's a there's a chance you can kind of mix all those around too. I think either either any one of those three guys can play the one or the three, and then all of a sudden you you've got a, a solid core of a defensive line. You mix in Tristan Hill in there as well, and you're feeling pretty solid overall. I, I think out of the guys, maybe other than C.D. Lamb and those top three picks that could have the biggest impact, it might be Bradley and I. And I, I know I just spent a little bit of time talking about the right defensive end spot, but he, he's a, a, a slower right defensive end. He's got some short arms, and I think that's why he fell. That's the only reason. doesn't have a whole lot of health concerns. He's a good kid. He's had 
good interviews all the way throughout. The fact that he fell, I think, is just because teams got scared about his 40 time at the, at the NFL Combine. They got scared about how short his arms were, and they wanted a little bit more length. I still think he's bendy enough to, to get around the edge. I think he's quick enough off of the snap at the line of scrimmage to beat some NFL left tackles, and I, I think he's going to make an impact as a rookie more so than people think. And I say that regardless of if, of if Alvin Smith and Randy Gregory are even active and, and ready to go pending the, the reinstatement. I think Anai is going to be one of those guys in the rotation that could come up and make an impact immediately, and I think that's something fun to look at, especially since you went out and snagged him day three. What does this draft tell you about the kind of players that Mike McCarthy values? I think he just wants good football players, and I know he said that for the longest time. Even in his introductory press conference, he said, hey, I want the best football players in Dallas. So it, forget scheme fit, forget what we need. Let's go out and get the best players on the board. And they did that. They, it was proof. The proof was in the pudding. And at pick 17, you had a decision to make. You had Caleb on chase on from LSU, an edge rusher that filled an obvious need, one that we've just spent a couple minutes talking about. Or you could go get C.D. Lamb, a, a player that would be at a position that you could by far, address later in the draft. And they had opportunities to go out and get really good wide receivers later in the draft. They didn't have to because they took the best player available on the board. And they said that throughout the course of the draft as well. You could say the same thing about Trayvon Diggs. You could say the same thing about Bradley and I when that came up. Even, I believe, in the seventh round, whenever they went out and got Ben DiNucci, the quarterback from James Madison, I wholeheartedly believe he was the best player on their board. Going back and watching tape, I can see why a guy like Mike McCarthy would fall in love with a guy like Ben DiNucci from a small school and an FCS-level type of player, but he still comes out with a big, strong arm, originally from Pitt, and a guy that I know McCarthy really has liked for quite some time. I think he was right up at the top of the board whenever they made that selection, even in the seventh round. So I think McCarthy and staff came in, told Will McClay he wants good football players. This was the Will McClay run draft. It wasn't Mike McCarthy run, but I think it was the president that was set by Mike McCarthy early on that said, I want the best football players that you could potentially get, and I want them on the field with me. And I think they went out and executed the draft specifically with that in mind. All right, outside of the Cowboys, and I bet you we have the same opinion on this. I'm going to let you answer first. But which team in the NFL, because the Cowboys had a great draft. I don't think they had the best one, Mm -hmm. but which team in the NFL had the best draft? I've got a couple that I do like, and I'll go – that's tough, man. I'll I'll say I like the Vikings a lot. You go out and get Justin Jefferson, Jeff Gladney, Andrew Cleveland, Cameron Dantzler, DJ Wanham to start off things. I think they did a, a miraculous job early on, and then I, I said this on the broadcast, too, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars equally had a really good draft as well. I mean, you get C.J. Henderson, who a lot of Cowboys fans wanted to follow 17, and then the fact that he didn't, then you go around and you, the Jaguars pick up Caleb on chase on, the player that did end up following the 17, but you didn't take. And then they added DeSoto product and LaVisca Chenault for a wide receiver core that needs plenty of help. You had a decent tackle. It's Devin Hamilton, Ben Barks, he set that offensive tackle line or that offensive line rather at the tackle spot. I think the Jaguars and the Vikings had some of the better drafts that we've seen. There were some good drafts out there. I thought Carolina had a pretty solid draft, even though they did select all defensive players throughout the course of it. But I think those two at least stuck out to me. I'm interested to 
to who you thought was the best draft. Oh, that's the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Ooh, just they had a great draft. I mean, they're, yeah. they're fantastic. I, I am like I'm getting more in my like older age now because I, I did just turn forty. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm I like people who do good business, and the Baltimore Ravens do that. I'm a huge fan of what they do, and that like they don't. They don't do any. They've never like I can't think of anything silly the Ravens have ever done in the draft. Like just no, and they they added so many players throughout the course of the draft too. We were we were even talking about this on the coverage that we had on DallasCowboys.com at the time. We were saying, oh oh, the Ravens are up. Here comes a really good player that a lot of us forgot were on the board. Oh, there goes Malik Harrison in the third round at the ninety eighth overall pick. Where'd you guys have him on your board? Oh, he was forty seventh, and they get him a ninety eight. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because it's the Ravens. So I, I agree with you. The fact that they came out and just just completely executed the way that they did, it, it was very Ravens-like. And the Cowboys did the same thing, but it's the fact that it's very Ravens-like and nobody's saying it's very Cowboys-like the way that they did it. No, I, that's that's what you want to aspire to be. Yeah, I just I just love everything that they that they do in their front office. Kyle Yeomans, The Draft Show, DallasCowboys.com. Make sure you follow him there. He does great work, and uh, I say that because I know uh, I taught him everything that I know. I didn't teach him everything (laughs) he knows. I taught him every single thing that I know. But uh, my old friend, good friend Kyle Yeoman, is here with us on the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. We'll have more just right after this. That was Kyle Yeomans of DallasCowboys.com, the draft show. Stay tuned for our next podcast where I'll get Opinions from a lot of different Cowboys beat writers and people who cover the Cowboys, draft analysts, and whatnot. And we'll throw that up for you here on Podcast Network. I'm Paul Catalina. Follow me on Twitter at Paul Catalina or Instagram at Paul Catalina56. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.